going to do the theme Perfect. Come to America. Yeah, <laughs> we're recording. All right. Hey, welcome back to Almost Superior Special Extra Issue. We uh, saw Black Panther. We're going to talk about it. I'm Kalen. Oh, I'm Aaron Poke. Yeah. Welcome, Aaron. He's a first-time <laughs> podcaster with us. Glad you could join us. Our hey. first African-American <laughs> Black History Month. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, he forced it, us to recognize <laughs> that we, we'd all... Well, I have to say, on, on behalf of the entire black diaspora, we had this great moment this week where we achieved the uh, first major blockbuster superhero movie, right? Mm-hmm. And now, in this very same week, we have a black man on this podcast. And I gotta tell <laughs> you, my people, we're moving up. Historic. We're moving up. Historic. It's amazing. You're gonna be heard by a dozen of people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, calm down. It's like seven <laughs> people. Uh, I'm Adam. And I'm Brent. Ryan and <coughs> Clark, Clark are, are they're sick. But like, and Adam's been gone forever. Oh yeah, you'll uh, find out what I've been up to on our regular issue, which is coming up. <laughs> but next not week. the next one because you, are you doing the next one? Yeah, I'll be here for this week's one. Oh okay, yeah. right, let's good. do scheduling now. Right, I don't want to so take it's... away time from uh, Black Panther. So Black Panther, we saw it uh, this past Friday. Uh, thought the movie was really good, but uh, the theater experience was really interesting. I loved it because it felt like everyone was just so happy to be at the theater no one was bothered by lines people were just it was like being at the world's fair like people wanted to be there as opposed to like having the the, like like thinking about star wars that everyone's like cramming in and trying to rush as quickly as possible to get there yeah everyone's early it's leisurely it's great it was great um i really liked seeing people dress up yeah, like yeah. Uh, you know, I saw some women with the most amazing ornate like headpieces. I was like, that's great as long as it doesn't you know obstruct, obstruct my view. <laughs> but the way the theater was, like, not, there was no obstruction. So yeah, yeah. yeah I have I haven't seen that many delighted ass black people <laughs> since like everybody was walking around with their sequence caps during the Obama oh, inauguration. Oh, yeah. the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, there was this lady. She was wearing a a wrap of some sort, and she had a gigantic like side boob thing happening mm. with like yes. under side boob and then down the side of her everything and she was my favorite was she, she the one was like taking posing. photos in the front oh yeah left. She was oh, she was, yeah that dress was gorgeous she was working it yeah it was great it was quite an experience uh the one interesting thing was there were some people who so we sat we sat in a theater with assigned seats and uh and that's the reason we picked it is because you know trying to find seats getting there an hour hour and a half early is not ideal and i love the assigned seats thing and especially with the reclining uh the reclining chairs there were there was a couple, at least one couple, that decided they were going to sit wherever they wanted to the, sit. It was crazy. It were was, they just moving from seat to seat? My to just theory, land, my or? theory is that they had two separate seats, and then they thought, well, whatever, people will oh, we'll move together. So they picked two seats that were within our, you know, kind of block of seats, and. They they kind of did the thing of when you're called out and you just want to let the problem go away. I'm like, oh, those are those are our seats, and I have to say this as meekly as possible. As a white man, I, oh, don't, yeah. I, I don't want to cause problems. On Black Panther night, what you mean? I gotta give up my seat? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you colonizing? Uh-huh. Oh, you want me to move to the back of the theater? Actually, the back of the theater is the best part of the <laughs> hey, hey. So they're just like, oh, well, you know, you, you know, everyone's just sitting everywhere. It's not like a big mm-hmm. deal. And I'm like, well, you know, our, our friends are like going to sit here. Uh, and they're like, well, there was some people took our seats because there was this family. And he explained this confusing story, story about line. a family being mm-hmm. separated. Which didn't quite. Which is actually sense. the plot of Black Panther. Yeah, <laughs> and, and also the Middle Passage. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, and then so. <laughs> <laughs> incidentally, so glad we have you. Emily. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Maybe spoiler alert. <laughs> so they get up and then they go and sit in someone else's seat. And we see them get asked by those people to What's move out. On? And those people were not as nice because they were black people talking to other black people. They're like, <laughs> hey, this is my seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I actually had to have the assist from our friend yes. Frankie. Uh, because I'm like, hey, those are our, our chairs. <laughs> Please don't make me the bad guy. And Frankie's like, uh, yeah, our friends are sitting yeah, there, so do you mind moving? Let's go. Uh, let's go, buddy. So in the first, like, 
five minutes of the movie, they stopped the movie. Right. So that an usher could come in and tell people to go back, back to, their to their seats. seats. Yeah. It was the Well, because they came over, the, our, the usher came over to us. Us, yes. They came us, like, Andrew and I, if we were sitting in the seats, and thank God it was Jason that was like, uh, no, we, like, we have seats G1 through G10. We have seats. It was amazing. G1 through G10. <laughs> and Kaylin, I hear Kaylin whisper, it's G8. We have seats G1 <laughs> through G8. Yeah. Well, I like looking at my ticket, I thought it said G13, and I was like, oh, these are wrong. We should move, because I was, like, freaking out. I was like, I don't want to take anybody's seat. I just want to, like, sit down and watch the movie. So, so when they stopped the movie, they basically say, if we have to come in here again, we're turning this movie off. No, I felt like a, we were in kindergarten. Yeah, it's like, you know, the, the teacher most, was, like, you know, Everyone was on just the like, wait, what? That's it, we it, thought the movie froze. Yeah. Everyone's like, wait, It what? was actually really fascinating to watch, since I attended this movie with white people. <laughs> It was really, uh, it was really fascinating to watch white people react to this like this was something stunning because all the black people were like, "Hey, this is how this works. This is like BAPS. This is when I this is when I went and saw you know um, Medea Boo movie. You know, this is regular stuff." And the movie theater was extraordinarily quiet though. It was really quiet. Yeah, yeah I was expecting a lot of give and take, a lot of you know live action in the theater. But everybody after we got you know the loudest up, people were Jason and me. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason got straight. Yeah. Have you all ever been to a midnight show at the Union Station when they had... Uh, I never saw a movie at a yeah, Union Station. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was when they would shut it down and say, all right, everybody, let's go. Um, and we, we channeled that. But. I thought the largest, the most vocal group was gays at all yes. the wardrobes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 People see Angela Bassett Angela like, Bassett. yes! No, when we saw her without her headdress with the white hair, I was like, oh my God, it's fucking Storm. It's the Storm that we deserve. Yeah. I thought the, the costumes were amazing. I, I watched some video about the costume director who was talking about how, like, so, you know, these characters have different personality traits and they exercise different functions within the story. You know, like the warriors, they, so they, like, look to specific tribes to kind of model their uh, wardrobes after the tribes that they're kind of adopting whatever you know yeah, so they traditions had, like, from well they also had like the animal uh as like the like the spirit animal as like the sort of the guiding uh thing of the tribe like so the panther tribe you had the rhino tribe the you gorilla had tribe. the gorilla tribe and then i didn't know what the other animals were i didn't i i don't think they like went into detail in those. i don't know either well you know so every time a shirtless man appeared on the screen mm. my fiance my betrothed was like mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i would do something with that yes and then, uh, there was also a sister sitting next to my left and so every time my fiance went mm, the sister went mm-hmm. and she'd be like i do something with that and she'd be like me too and i was just around of the objectification of black men Don't that i experienced oh yeah first yeah. sound that's yeah. amazing <laughs> You remember him? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Frankie and I were doing the exact same thing. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan takes off his shirt, and we're like, "Yeah, I want to be one of his kills." Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Burn me, just like all the like the bumps. Yeah, yeah. burn oh me, baby, burn me. Oh my God, I can't. I, it's weird to objectify Michael B. Jordan because I still remember him from The Wire as Wallace, mm. where he was this like skinny little kid. Who ends up, uh, spoiler alert, gets killed in the first season. Ah, oh, come on. I was the gonna, Wire! I was going to start it today. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody says they're going to start The Wire today. I'll get to it later. Uh, but it's weird to think of him as this, like, you know, like, like hot, like, sex object now. But he is a great... No. Yeah. It's weird, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that. He's still hot as fuck. With the gold teeth and all that. Oh, mm-hmm. I was into it. And I like the little uh, thing on the bottom of the left. Oh, the with, like, tattoo. The, the tattoo. Yeah. Is that giving it birth? Yeah, it has like little numbers be, and right? stuff. Yeah. Or maybe that's when they like, you know, baptize you in vibranium or what's it called? Vibranium. <laughs> yeah. uh, how, how could you forget they only said it 800 times? <laughs> the vibranium Wakanda, Wakanda vibranium. It's mm-hmm. like, we got it. We, we got you it. know yeah, where yeah, you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. We've talked mm-hmm. a lot about the uh, sexy men. We can also talk about the sexy women and how much I appreciated so much women in this movie. The women stole the movie for me. Oh, for sure. They were the best. They were better than all the male characters. I really like Q, the woman that played, like, technology person. Oh, oh sure. sister. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Q. Q. Yeah, She was by far, I think, my favorite character in the entire movie because she perfectly balanced, like, being funny, being serious, being able to do things by herself, but also helping others, like... Such a great, like, fully realized and she, and character. And you felt like, okay, this girl is probably, like, in her early 20s mm-hmm. or late teens, depending on whatever, but, like, you felt like 
that like she embodied that like yeah. she was like I thought you were taking me to Coachella I'm like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you hear like a 19 or 21 year old girl saying that but she was also like cool as shit like she had the ability to create all these amazing technological advancements don't sneak up on me colonizer <laughs> <laughs> also great yeah. uh, my favorite character was actually uh, Okoye yeah uh, it was one of the Dora Milaje like uh, she was the main one that we saw she had like the she was bald she had the yeah tattoo. general she's oh, she was fierce as She's Fuck. been incredible. I mean, she was incredible. Even her, like, what did she have? Like one or two lines in Civil War, and like that was like she made like a strong presence of like, holy shit! Like I can't wait to see more of this character. Absolutely. Wasn't that fascinating? Her uh, problem in having to be the general and follow the rules of secession, oh, yeah. yeah, but also have a, a personal. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When you have to carry out the orders of a tyrant. From the, the <laughs> oh, now we got a tyrant leader. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that really. Hey, hey, it. don't politicize yeah. Black Panther. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Black Panther should just be entertainment, okay? I'm tired of art reflecting yeah. stuff about politics. We should only politicize school shootings and things like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the the way I love that the that guard uh, what, what's the name of the guard? Uh, the Dora Milaje. Uh, that they are the first ones that really go after uh, Killmonger. Uh, yeah. In that oh kind yeah. Of major fight. Uh, because, in the end, the, the last scene. Yeah, because what a great. Oh, yeah, there's massive spoilers throughout this. I, oh, yeah, I feel like we don't know this anymore, but like. But we you've might already as well. seen this, right, listener? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you what, listen to a listener? Hey, Chase, you call me, are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? They're so upset that he couldn't be on this podcast. But let's talk about the representation of Africa, right, Jason? Ooh. Okay. Moving swiftly forward. One thing I didn't like was that it did a lot of the. Racist. Marvel. Well, because I I really enjoyed the 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 spear fight with Killmonger. Yeah. Because they didn't do what Marvel loves to do in fight scenes because it's easier filming to have lots of jump cuts where you're suddenly you see the camera shakes and someone does something right and then you don't really see the action yeah. but right. you feel like you're kind of in the action so there's nothing that's particularly memorable about it but stuff is going on really quickly right because um, that definitely happened when Black Panther kind of had that. Uh, like Batman style in the darkness, you know, in openings, yeah, ju- opening from jumping from person to person kind of thing. Right. And I thought like, oh, this is gonna be cool. Oh, shit. lots of close up like gunshots, and like people flying away. Yeah, for no and you don't really yeah. see what the actual action is. You just know it's supposed to be happening. Right. And I felt like that was really kind of disappointing because you could have avoided that. There's, well, it's just the final battle there. scene in general is so much fun. I think it's so cool. Everyone's actively participating. People are like, I like that the battlefield is very spread out. So yeah. it's not like, you know, you've got Killmonger fighting with Okoye. You've got Nakia fighting a bunch of like the general guards. I forget the name that it's the guy from get out. He's, he's like, he's with Wakabi. Rhinos. Yeah. Wakabi is like, they're like having a whole battle. Black Panther's like doing his own thing. Like, I just like that the battle was super spread out and that people were all getting their own action sequences as opposed to like splitting up to go do things where certain people's pieces are less relevant than like the main character. You really need the rhinoceros though. The rhinoceroses. Did you need them? Rhinoc- when he blew yeah. the horn. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. fun. I, was like, I, didn't yeah, cool. need, I didn't need the rhinoceros. I assume that it's a good build up to what's going to happen in Infinity War because if you've seen any of the trailers like there's even more obviously giant battles in Wakanda that look mm. like fucking Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But so I'm assuming it's just like a good introduction for that like those kind of things. But I didn't I appreciated it. So it's interesting that you you guys said that about the final uh, set piece because I was a little underwhelmed by it. Really? Like I liked a lot of it. I do appreciate like you know them being able to like you know show the scope of it. Yeah. Uh, but I felt it was underwhelming compared to the set piece in South Korea because that was actually my favorite part of the, the movie of the ac- my favorite action scene in the movie mm. where uh, they they first encounter Claw. There's the car chase scene. It's one of my favorite car chase scenes I think I've seen in a movie in a long time. Mm, yeah. I love the way that uh, um, uh, Shuri like is in like you know kind of uh, virtually driving virtually a car, driving. and the Black Panther is on top of it. You know, and he's really using his abilities to be able to try to stop like the the, the other vehicles. I thought I thought all that was great. Plus, we got uh, Okoye with the the fucking wig throw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, gifable moment, right? <laughs> Completely. The uh, the problem with the final fight scene, I think, for me, was that there were so many cuts between major action parts mm-hmm. that they realized, you know, we've kind of got to end it with Killmonger and uh, Black Panther fighting each other. Yeah. And so it took a lot of steam out of each individual fight by piecing it the way they did because they're kind of moving pieces off the table 
so they have the the <clears throat> what's the name of the the gorilla tribe Jabari that they the Jabari, yeah. that they suddenly show up you know mm-hmm. Game of Thrones style it was Battle very of Battle of Bastards like, style I was actually gonna say it was basically just the li- I mean isn't that what happens in the Lion King like doesn't like there's like the big fight at the end. And but then like, it's really between, like, Scar and... And Simba. Yeah. And then, like, it's the lions all end up, like, revolting against the hyenas and stuff like that. But the lions are there. So my yeah. bigger problem... Oh, like, they come... Because they're, no, they're, they're like the Knights of the Veil. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What my my problem is, like, how are you surprised when you're on a plane that an army has just shown up? I mean, it, I, it was, it was I, telegraphed. I, maybe that's telegraphed. Like, I knew it was going to happen. I, yeah, it's something I have to, for, you know, ultimately accept. Yeah. But I don't like it. But I think that, like, I don't know, I thought the South Korea stuff felt a little bit more rote to me because I just feel like I've seen way too many, I think, what is it, Wanted, not Wanted, um, fuck, what's the, what's the one with, um... Taken? No, it was the one with, uh, the young guy. The no, the young guy's, like, the spy. Jason Bourne? No. Wing, uh, Kingsman. Kingsman. The second uh, Kingsman, like, has another car. Like, I'm just tired of seeing people jump from one car to the other. I'm tired of, like, slow motion. I like the, I appreciate the extra added pieces, but I think what I like, that's why I like this battle scene more, because all of the characters were so interesting to me that it was fun to watch their relationships play out on the battlefield. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts? <laughs> no, I was gonna occasionally go. Yeah. Well, like, what did you, so? Like, what were your favorite? Uh, so, like, so we're sitting on action right now. So let's because I do think that it was interesting to me that for most of the middle of the movie there wasn't a whole lot of action. Like, there was obviously like a couple of there's like the fight scene with Killmonger and Black Panther, um, and then there's like kind of a big space leading up to the the final battle. But it was like out of the action so it's like it's really like you have like Batman action sequence you've got car chase action sequence you've got the well, like one on one fights and then you've got the big war like what is like the best well, I mean war? because I mean there were a few less action sequences because there were a lot of social issues and yeah. Yeah. local issues that the movie was trying to accomplish yeah it did and, and it, it yeah. touched on it a little bit um, just one thing I'll go back to, I want to touch on that but going back to the, the South Korea action sequence the reason I liked it is because it felt very espionage and like you said Kingsman I was thinking like James Bond James yeah. Bourne Mission Impossible mm-hmm. and an element of Black Panther I've always really liked is like he's not just a superhero He's not just a monarch. He's also he's kind of like a very uh, Machiavellian spy. Yeah, and that element he of, does it all. Yeah, he does it all. He really that element, have it all. That <laughs> element of the character wasn't brought up very much in this film for I think a variety of reasons, but it was on display a little bit in that in that action scene. Well, you bring up Bond. One thing I wonder though is why did it have to be another casino scene? We just had this casino scene with Star Wars, right? And when they got when this all started in the casino in South yeah. Korea or whatever, I, I rolled my eyes honestly because I feel like that's just such a dependable fallback. We got to go find so and so. We're going in. Da, da, da. We're all going to put on our tuxedos. No, it's, it's a way to show off like you're dressing up. It's just it's very it's it's a, it's a trope. You're right. Yeah. Well, and I guess like the one the benefit that the movie has is that this is the first time you're getting to see a lot of people like a lot of black people depicted in those like in those situations that they wouldn't have normalized gotten. I guess in Star Wars you do have that because you have uh, is it Finn? Yeah, Finn. yeah. And so, but it's like that's but part Finn is like an interloper. Right. He doesn't come in. Yeah, as, that's like right. part of the. Part I mean, of in the, general, like part of the movies, like whenever it got tropish, I was like, yeah, but this is also like a great time to see yeah, people in those perspectives that you don't actually get to see them in. Right. Um, I guess you've never been to the MGM at National Harbor, then, have you? <laughs> I don't want to pay $25 minimum uh, blackjack table. Oh, no, I haven't. No, you, you don't, don't you? I don't. <laughs> we gotta go find, we gotta go find <laughs> so-and-so. Let's get all dressed up. No, you wouldn't do not want to, would you? <laughs> like, wait, was that a triple negative? <laughs> <laughs> and he does the triple negative. But yeah, it's a twist. I do think that the bit, I thought that the middle of the movie probably suffered the, I felt like like there was a bit of like a I think South Korea suffered a little bit for me that's that scene sequence I like the intro of all the characters and mm. then it got a little bit flat in the middle and then I think it revved up towards the end again and got interesting um, what did you think of Killmonger great villain great great I think villain. he's probably one of the best constructed villains Marvel's done I agree. Like him, Loki, and the Vulture I think are the three best villains that yeah. they've done I missed that he was the kid which got me like mm. the, when they had the beginning and oh, the kid Oakland. was looking up in the yeah. Yeah. the ship and then it turned out that he was the kid I think it was a good reveal I was yeah. a little bit I was surprised I was like oh yeah. you know so that was good I didn't see that one coming 
Uh, um, I loved his intro as an adult, though, in the basically the British Museum, although they called it the Museum yeah. of Great Britain, where he he's basically looking at like wherever like colonizers like took stuff from the countries they colonized, yeah, uh, and like basically put put them on display. Because I've always said that the British Museum, I've been there a number of times, and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. It's all the shit that they stole from my country. You just like, buy tickets every time and just stand there and shout at the colonizer. Remember these little sentences where the woman held herself out as an expert on these things and he was like, oh, you're the expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so great. Like that. Those yeah. are really telling. I think that um, he was an interesting bridge between, you know, the African-American urban experience and, you know, the yeah. aspirations of what um, a, a maintenance of a connection with the continent meant. And I felt that he did that in a way that um, was actually quite believable for an African American audience, which probably was a was the benefit of him being the actor. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't see it as like, oh, we have a young black American heir to an African kingdom who actually is experiencing the pain of where he grew up mm -hmm. and is now acting on it. And it didn't seem like to me, it didn't seem like contrived or fake. He actually pulled it off which I thought was really effective because it could have been really disappointing if somebody had done that in like a really, you know, over emotional overacting. He actually tempered his anger and turned it into a strength. Well, that's why I really liked the, uh, the reveal of what he did to claw. It's mm -hmm. like he was just playing Claw the entire time, basically as a means to an end to say, I'm bringing the I guy who like plundered Wakanda way back when T'Chaka was king. Mm -hmm. I, I did it. T'Challa didn't do it. I'm your rightful heir. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really smart. Well, yeah. what I liked is that he is a guy who's adapting, because I think that his original plan with the Vibranium was use, cl use Claw as bait mm -hmm. to get Black Panther out, uh, out, of, out of hiding in Wakanda, basically. And... <clears throat> then to be able to attack him there. That plan fails, so then he kills Claw, Dude, and he's like, okay. I'm going to bring him as, like, a sacrifice. I love that there's there's levels of planning to his operation. I love that his as a, he has this grand, like, take-over-the-world idea that actually fucking makes sense, like, for his character, yeah. his motivation. Like, you could, yes, you could weaponize a bunch of people to revolt. It doesn't have to mean that you're the global leader of everything, Really, but it is a takeover the world plan. The revolution will be televised. Well, it's, yeah. very <clears throat> it's the shit white people have been afraid of for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, and they even they they telegraphed. Oh, I was scared. Yeah. Well, they had public enemy posters in like when in like the yeah. early nineties, like mm -hmm. sequence in Oakland. You know when his father was in that apartment mm -hmm. in that in that building. Well, it was a really sleek character, um, especially around his. I I liked his. Gosh, what am I thinking of? I really liked his ideas for. I might have just had a complete mind blank. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, so him, uh, I thought his relationship with T'Challa was really interesting. I thought they had a lot of really good chemistry. I particularly liked that, you know, T'Challa is trying to reconcile the sins of his, you know, forefathers, and he wants to be a different kind of king going forward. So he kind of offers a Killmonger, like, maybe we can build a different future together. And Killmonger's like, no, I would rather die then have to you know try and build a half world. But how did he end up whipping his ass though? That's the part I didn't miss. What power did he summons to whip whip the king's ass during that second challenge? So was, there was no powers. That was the whole. No, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just like, stronger than them as an individual. Yeah. So I remembered why I was going to try to say what I really liked about him being a sleek character was that he was built from the U.S. government to like built to be oh, destabilize yeah. govern like outside governments, which I thought right. was a another great mm -hmm. social issue to touch on, but yeah. also like. That's what made him such an interesting character, too, because it was all about figuring out how to crack a code as opposed to just, like, I'm going to take this over with sheer force or, like, stupid heroes. Like, it's in, like he literally did all the things to, like, make it make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, when I thought about that, actually, I'm glad you reminded me that the built by the U.S. government, to just, it kind of reminds me of my origin story, really. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, a lot. when you were a, a super soldier. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You guys watch out. You gotta remember that <laughs> white, deep, deep that white father yeah. stuff. That yeah. white father stuff. It's really, <laughs> it's really gonna come back and get you. You're like Donnie Brasco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so how do you think that it handled? Because Clark, every time Wakanda comes up, loves to point out Wakanda has <laughs> access to like cures for cancer and HIV and all these different diseases, and it helps none of the rest of Africa no, with it. I think uh, the, there's a really interesting uh, conversation the movie brought up about isolationism mm -hmm. 
versus interventionism versus finding that middle. Yeah. And I think they tried to like find that middle towards the end of the film. I mean, clearly Wakanda were isolationists because the whole thing about Wakanda was cr- when it was created in the 1960s is this is an African nation that was untouched by colonialism, was untouched by, by white racism, and like what would happen if you had a country that had this amazing mineral like could it build its own, you know, its own uh, like utopia? Mm-hmm. And they did. And the reason, and they realized the reason that they wanted to do that is because they were trying to protect themselves from the outside world. Because everybody thought that this was a third world African nation that had zero exports yeah. uh, and had nothing really to offer the world, uh, except was- for one ton of incredibly well stored vibranium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, that was, uh, I think that was the reason that they did that. And then you had Killmonger's approach. It's like, we have our brothers and sisters across the world who are suffering and Wakanda can help and we can do it by offering, you know, weapons. And clearly that was a misguided approach. Uh, That's what the movie said. And in the end, we had T'Challa going to the UN saying, we can help the world. And it's more about like helping them through aid and like the technological advancements that aren't weaponized but more about like to clark's point you know uh helping cancer you know helping people with hiv and aids uh you know and all that and so it kind of tried to find that middle i would want to say almost like liberal western democracy approach of of quasi-intervention but with a humanitarian approach so i kind of had a problem with the way that they because there there seem to be some issues related to like immigration that they try to deal with, like, should they let people into Wakanda? Yeah, the refugees. Should we yeah. accept refugees? And then at the very end, at the UN, some white guy says, well, what does is, what is Wakanda have to offer as a third world country? We ain't got <laughs> shit to offer you, <laughs> white guy. And I think that the problem there is that it relies on an assumption that if you're from a poor country, you have nothing to offer. And, you know, there are certain people with that perspective but I think well, and they said farmers too. So it was like, what could a bunch of? I think that was the line. Mm-hmm. I was like, what yeah. could a bunch of farmers offer? No one asked, ever asked that country to Slovenia yeah. though. That question is Slovenia. Yeah, you know, they were offering us yeah. the first. Yeah. No one's asking that about Sokovia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you could be a farmer in those clothes, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. I think in general, I, we we kind of touched on a lot of the socialists that it's bringing up, and I'd be interested to like hear your take on it. Mm. It's like I thought it was like a good like. 101 to many issues and some of them that many people may not be exposed to or think about or go deeper on but like i almost do wish that it maybe chose a couple to focus more specifically yeah. on just to drive a deeper it's takeaway. still a, it's still a marvel movie yeah of i course. mean it, it, it explores I, the tension yeah. of like the benefits and desired the, the benefits perceived of going at it alone like you want to have an opportunity to go at it alone and have an africa free from colonization but then the reality that in the world there is no going at it alone. Like everyone always has to be dependent on the other. Right. And what's happened has happened. So um, so that part of it I saw. I felt that um, sort of the feel-good element towards the end of this notion that, okay, we're going to go share now with the whole world um, annoyed me a little bit. It did. Because I kind of wish, and I'm sure a lot of African Americans who saw it kind of wished that actually those benefits would have been directed towards others of the black diaspora <laughs> because black people are kind of tired of bailing uh the world out or the country out you know yeah. we've been kind of doing that for quite some time now so that kind of crossed my mind <laughs> but, um you know uh but but i, I appreciate foundations over society trying to save our democracy <laughs> you know, yeah. like getting governors elected in Virginia, or giving us culture and, you know yeah. music art constructing the white house <laughs> fashion you know, things style, like that jokes. but what have you done for me lately according <laughs> but, to but so oh so God, i mean but yeah. i understand you know the movie's got to get paid for and produced and stuff like that so you gotta have, no, <laughs> and also it's that. building to the uh, like avengers infinity war so i'm clearly like wakandan technology is going gonna to be, be used infused. to like to fight like thanos, in a perfect so. world that's what you want though i mean in reality thanos? Yeah, you want to set a tone where people can you know do their own thing and help others uh, I have a question, though, and this was something I asked that night. What did you all think about the the standard of modernization for Wakanda being, like, the skyscrapers and the traffic and the movement? I mean, they tried to have, like, a street fair, like, yeah. street bazaar scene in that. Yeah. But for the most part, the urbanization of it from a technological advancement perspective, I thought was a very Western um, formulation that I felt that there probably could have been a little bit more room for creativity than mm. just having a street African bazaar market element to it. 
Um, that part kind of bothered me a little bit because if we're going to have an isolated culture that reached this level of technological advancement on its own, why would it, why would it, it have keep advancing it? Yeah. New York City, a look of like a really nice, um, you know, so Hong Kong. My response to that is I, I don't disagree with that, but I think you had the leaders of Wakanda being generally like they didn't talk about this in the movie, but in the comics, they've been educated in Western places like a lot of them have gone to like oxford cambridge killmonger went to mit yeah killmonger went to mit but like even like uh, t'challa t'chaka they like in the comics they have been educated in like in in western and in, in like western they're places of education and so they're pulling from those influences right. and so uh you know it actually made me think a little bit of like dubai where you have a you know a city in a country that is very much not of the West, but has taken Take Western West tropes. Uh, I mean, like you know, Burj Khalifa is like the, the tallest building in the world as a result of like the influences that they've taken from the West. Well, so and you know more about this than I do, and it's a fictional place, but like Atlantis is Atlantis not technologically sound, or is it that's like kind of? Because I'm just trying to think of like Atlantis is built like an underwater. Atlanta is nice. Atlanta. <laughs> that's, a, that's a kind of great airport. Yeah. <laughs> not saying, really. The lost like, city of No, yeah. I'm just trying to, like, it's an interesting discussion point. Well, I think, so, like, I'm I thinking, think, like, is Atlanta as technologically advanced as Wakanda in some aspects, but, like, they're I built... Use, I would use Asgard, actually, as a better ah. comparison, because you have Asgard, which is very much a... There's no know, skyscrapers fixed... in Asgard. Well, no, there were, though. Really? I think, like, they were, like, I mean, if you look at it, like, it was all, like, they did have, like, you know, these giant... They, they look more like castles, but yeah. they were, like, very much kind of... Uh, uh, you know, like these, these tall, tall buildings. I guess, like to your point, like it, it, and maybe that's. I think it's a good marrying of the two of like the idea that yeah, if obviously if if the leaders are being educated in Western culture, at least from a comic book perspective, then it's highly likely they'll bring those influences back with them. Yeah. But I do think that like I'm glad you brought up Asgard. Like, Asgard and Atlantis definitely seem very out there. Like still these. Sort of, I wouldn't say utopias, but like where is Asgard? Asgard? Outside of Detroit? I've never heard of Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> it's where Thor's from. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detroit. It's yeah, basically, it's actually over Oklahoma. City right now. Uh, from outside of Detroit. Um, but uh, Asgard other, is where the people are. I see. And the other thing, also, I think it's just it was a shorthand visual cue. I think for all the audiences yeah. to show that Wakanda is not just you know a third world rural country. That, like, by showing this urbanization and it looks, like, even more, like, it looks more like Tokyo than Tokyo or looks more like mm -hmm. Dubai than Dubai, it's a shorthand for the viewers saying, like, oh, these people have it together. I, I want to thank you for Andy and explaining that to me. I, I, really, <laughs> I really understand now. Thank you. I, I thought you'd explain it. Okay. I well, I was gonna say the one thing that I thought was still really interesting to me was like, so the culture or the you know the technology, everything is like super far advanced. I did think it was still odd that there was had to be this like idea of like at least a you know a battle to disarmament or a battle to death about taking over the like you know Chala had to fight the Jabari leader. And then also they came on like oh I think that was the the tribal element that was like like that was a tradition of that culture right why did they keep coming at them though in the little semicircle when the, the push them off when the, the spears that made me mad Get it was like the, fight. the idea was to just make the fight closer and closer well was there a cue for that how do you know when to step like one side step and well, the other side step. <laughs> that made me really nervous I think that's why uh, they had both sides you know both of your supporters doing it so Half one half. side moves forward. The other side will move. Yeah, but if I was on one side, I'd be like, let's keep moving forward, y'all. I know everybody moves forward. The final battle scene? No, no, no. Like the challenge for the king, the throne. Like, I mean, I get, like, that's the way that plays. That's This just sort of, like, sits in my mind of, like, if you forecast all of these great things that this country has done and, like, how intelligent all the people are, you, like, it just seems like there would be a different method than like a fight to the death to choose a victor. We still have an electoral college in this country. I yeah, mean, that's fair you know enough. I mean? It's it, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. like Wakanda is rich in resources, which in in development economics puts it almost at a disadvantage because really resource rich countries don't have tend to not do super well. Uh, they have the natural resource curse, and they also have. A monarchy, which yeah. doesn't right. tend to do well for... Yeah, fair enough. It's a monarchy yeah. that's based on, like, tribal warfare. Well, in, like, or internal tribal I warfare. I thought it was really interesting that there was that Washington Post article that you had sent Jason, and then I, like, subsequently read in mm -hmm. regards to, like, apparently... 
Um, I mean, this is what I read in the article, is that in Africa there's still a lot of tribal elements to even the selection, like the democratic process or like the election process, is yeah. that like you'll never be able to... Get, I mean, that's kind of true in the U.S. as well, but like you like people's tribes indicate who they'll always vote for like they won't change as a result of issues or otherwise well i hope that like uh interest in this movie because it, it's clearly really doing really well it's getting great reviews people are excited to see it invigorates interest in reading the black panther comics because yeah. there are runs that are absolutely great currently ta-nehisi coates is writing the current run he's a very accomplished writer i love his stuff his comic book writing, I didn't initially like it because I think when people come from outside, I've said this before, but come from outside of comics, when they start writing comics, like they have a hard time adapting to the, the medium. Because you like Guggenheim? What? Like Guggenheim? Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the rule of... Boom! 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 Sorry. Um, no, but it's like understanding that comics is, 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 is a visual medium, and so a lot of prose writers come in, whether they come from being novelists or being like columnists uh, or, or essay writers like Tana The word is colonist. Go on. Columnists. <laughs> yeah. uh, is, uh, is like they have a hard time adapting to like a visual medium like comics are. Yeah. But uh, his run is apparently it's gotten better from when it initially started. But my favorite run is from the late 90s, early 2000s by a guy named Christopher Priest. Vulture did a really good piece on him recently about the guy that made Black Panther cool. And they really focus on the intrapolitics of Wakanda and uh, how like T'Challa becomes king, and they have to deal with that, and they deal with the negative aspects of him being monarch as well. Yeah. And what I liked about that run that I didn't see as much in this film, and I had hoped to, was to show that T'Challa is a calculating, cold-blooded bastard, and it's one of my favorite aspects of the character. Like he's he's ostensibly a hero, he's a monarch, he's a spy. Uh, but he is he's objective. He's an analytical. He's yeah. very Machiavellian. Like there was Makes one a really great meatloaf. <laughs> there's, there's a scene that has like it's between him and Ever K. Ross, the guy that Martin uh, Freeman plays in the movie, uh, and uh, and Ever K. Ross was introduced in that run where he plays like a liaison to Black Panther and Wakanda in the U.S. government, uh, and, uh, the State Department, and um, like he finds something in like T'Challa's like like desk, and he's like. You have a plan to deal with Galactus? The fuck? Like you, like you're like the the king of this small African country, and you know how to deal with the Galactus, the biggest, yeah. like you know, threat to the the Marvel heroes there is. Well, yeah. he's the isn't he the only comparable person? Like who is he's the only <clears throat> comparable person to Batman in the Marvel universe, right? He is, but there's he's he he is very much like Batman if Batman were like a king, right? Uh, and then like, you know he has like a. Like, in adversarial relationship with people like Namor, who's the king of Atlantis, bringing up Atlantis. Uh, he had one with Iron Man a little bit. He's had one with Doctor Doom, who's the king of, uh, or the monarch of Latveria. Yeah. Um, so, like, that element of it was was really brought up in the comics, and they touched on it a little bit in this movie. Is he getting, are they getting another movie? I mean, like, Black I, Panther? I hope so. Oh, yeah. yeah. They want Ryan, they want Ryan Coogan, the director, to come back oh, for excellent. the second one. I yeah. mean, like, that's, I think, to your point, like, this is, and I was actually going to ask this question because we talked about, like, a lot of bits and pieces of the movie. Like, I'd love to understand what people actually thought of the movie overall. And so I really liked it, and then I still felt like it was a bit of a... It wasn't an origin story, per se, but it still was, because it was the assertion to the throne, which was un unfortunate. Yeah. But I think overall, the pieces of, like, seeing new players and more similar roles, and yeah. just in general, one of the big things that I really loved about this movie was um, that it really did, like, um, take the combined effort of all the people involved to actually see success... And I feel like that's a, you know, you did correct me on this on the throne Ragnarok before we started this podcast, that it's true. Like, I'm so glad that these movies are moving beyond this sort of, like, individual savior. This hero is the only person that can do Guardians anything about the galaxy. it. Yeah. And just moving towards this, like, everybody can, now it's like, yeah, everything yeah, it's is a team component. effort. Because it's a team effort, yeah. that's how you get different perspectives in film. That's how you get different characters. And that's how you get people excited. You, you know, one thing Barack Obama didn't get credit for was that he, too, had a plan to deal with Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> He did. I, get, I know he did. The secret plan. Kevin's like, like, I'm yeah. not surprised. I'm not surprised about it at all. Yeah. yeah. No one ever talks about. Nobody it. really ever talks about it. You know, and yeah. it's it's unfortunate that yeah. they uh, underplay that. Yeah. Um, I will. I liked that they didn't bring in uh, Bucky the Winter Soldier until the final yes. post credit sequence uh, uh, because I was momentarily worried, and I shouldn't have been, but I was momentarily worried that he, that he was gonna bring him. They were gonna bring him in because he was in Wakanda at the end of Civil yeah. War. 
and to be like somebody who was fighting on T'Challa's side, and I was like, "Oh, wait, savior ter- complex!" Exactly. What a terrible <laughs> message to say. Jesus with a cyber metallic <laughs> arm. Yeah, exactly. Who can catch really fast shields? Though. Yeah, you know, I didn't know who that white man was when I watched that. Movie. <laughs> but at the end, when I were all excited about this white man, I was like, "Mm-hmm." That's yep, that's exactly. what Adam and I went for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you remember I had to run to the bathroom, and I was, like, waiting. I was like, hurry up. And they showed me the white man. I just immediately went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even... Uh, oh, I thought you meant, like... Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah I just lost stuff. my stool. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's okay. a super... I mean, it really would have been easy from a movie executive perspective to be like, let's throw let's, Bucky in there. Like, let's throw Bucky in yeah, there. Like, well, wait, wait, speaking of white people, what do y'all think about white CIA guy? He annoyed me. Oh, uh, Mark was Freeman? Him. He was the side... I mean, he was the shitty comic side kick and I was there for it. I, yeah. it was like, I thought Martin Freeman was really enjoyable when he was like in his element. Yeah. So up until the point I, I liked him up until the point where he was kind of exploring that that lab in Wakanda. And then after that he became like this Hero, character yeah. that just kind of sat around and followed everyone everywhere. No, but then when he had that scene where it was like, he's putting his life on the line because yeah. he keeps getting shot at, but he's going to finish the mission. I was like, I have no time for this. I genuinely believed that they could have killed him, which gave a little I bit of stakes. I wanted him to die. I was ready. I, I, was yeah. I, was prepared. I didn't want him to die because I thought, even though I don't like how he's just kind of, you know... Oh, white lives matter? Oh, why can't uh, he die? Uh, well, he, he didn't have agency at that point. Uh, no, I think the only reason why I enjoyed it is like the tropish flip of like the sidekick character and like it's usually never like an older white gentleman playing a sidekick character to many yeah, like that's true it's usually like Martin Lawrence or something <laughs> right well no Shut like, up. not one more word or I will feed you to my kids <laughs> well, and then when, well, when uh, Jabari came was like hush white man yeah. oh, no exactly oh, like this great. is basically like yeah. it's just a that's the whole movie was so nice for me <laughs> yeah, in that general yeah yeah, we've said it better. Yeah, exactly. Shut up. Uh, you know, it, Shut I mean, up I, it really gave me a lesson for living because Jason's going to experience that <laughs> many times. Oh, forward. is that like in your like wedding vows? Oh, yeah. Shut up, white man. So, I mean, that's why... I'm uh, just kidding. We're on the whole third. That's why I only, like, <laughs> that's why I only step forward, I think, for the, the what, I, what I hope will be a franchise is that like they did a fantastic trope introversion of everything. Like The bodyguards were all women. Like There was like the mother character instead of the father. Like There was a lot of really cool... <clears throat> flips that you would normally see in a regular action movie right. and like now we've done that but now we can move on to bigger and better storylines yeah, that's right it's like, see, like my, my point that sequels can be better if you do them right because you don't have to set up the world anymore like we already know what the world is yeah. and now you can just tell the story um, so Ever K. Ross I, I agree with Brent's point like I liked him when he was like the CIA agent early on and he was trying to um, interrogate Claw and you know like he very much felt in his element I liked him at the beginning of Wakanda when uh, Shuri basically, like, saves him. Yeah. And he, like, wakes up and he's completely, like, he's in a foreign land. He's like, what is this? This is, like, the most amazing place I've ever been to. I can't believe this is Wakanda. And she's like, you know, don't sneak up on me, colonizer. Mm -hmm. And then, but after that, I sort of felt like he was just, like, extraneous. Like, I didn't feel invested in him as a character. Yeah. No, I I feel about white people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not invested but Everk Ross that's in the storyline I don't want to see where it goes I'm good but what's interesting is Everk Ross was introduced uh, I said earlier in Christopher Priest's run on Black Panther and the reason why he did that and if you read this Vulture interview where he started working in comics like in his like late teens early 20s but he was one of the first like uh, black black people who actually uh, was a mainstay writer for, for either of the main two companies DC and Marvel but oftentimes he kept getting black characters because he was the you know the token black guy, and so when he was offered Black Panther in the late '90s uh, by Joe Casada, he was like, "Ugh, really? Are you serious? Are you fucking serious? I want to write Captain America. I want to write whatever." Mm. But he created Everett K. Ross because he originally was the main character of the Black Panther series because everything was sort of through the point of view of Everkate Ross oh, as the State Department liaison to Wakanda, bringing in T'Challa to the United States. Oh. And so T'Challa was almost like this, like, uh, otherworldly, like, o- uber-competent individual... Monolithic character. Monolithic character. That makes sense. And so, but like, and so the narration was told, one, it was kind of told like in a Quentin Tarantino style, like, out of he order. He was the Ellen Page of Black Panther. <laughs> Ellen Page? What? From, uh... <laughs> From Inception, she—he's like the expository, uh, oh, yeah, like yeah. Car- the 
the expository yeah, sure. audience as opposed to like the the superhero. Yeah, yeah, sure. So he, yeah. he he made a tenuous connection in his mind. He recognized characters share two. Yeah, but don't you remember? Don't you remember that part of Wakanda where it starts folding in on yeah. itself? <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> but yeah, so like Ross playing that role in this in that run of Black Panther made a lot of sense, and I think they just brought him in because he was a part of Black Panther's history, mm. and it didn't make as much sense in this film as it did in the comics. So I have a question uh, about what Black Panther represents because I think certain movies have tried to make characters embody a characteristic and they fail. Like Superman is supposed to represent hope, but not I think, anymore. I think that Wonder Woman. <laughs> I think Wonder Woman's done a much better job. Yes, yeah, of I it. agree. I think Iron Man represents kind of this like distant irony and like snark, like hyper intelligence to the point of condescension very well. Uh, Joker is like essentially chaos. embodies chaos. Yeah. What is what does Black Panther like represent? Does he achieve that level of like an emotional experience for you in this movie? And if you say no, you're a racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, listening. I was gonna say. I mean, I think it probably it might fit alongside a Captain America, but I think duty is a very big one. But like, there's duty. something. Duty, but there's something oh. different. About Why did you try and centralize that word? Duty. <laughs> no. uh, there's something different about it, I, and the fact that like I really appreciate uh, what I liked about the movie was also T'Challa rewriting T'Chaka's like wrongs and past. Because like when he goes. When he does like the visual journeys, he's always just like, "Why did you do this? Like, why didn't you take the child?" Like, there's like, I think it's almost like, I don't know, it's a little bit more three dimensional to his character that like there is like sense of the father kind of stuff. Yeah, but like, yeah, I actually appreciate that he doesn't just have like one little character, like one character, which they're not little, but like big characteristic that you can just revolve his entire thing around. Like, I think to your point, it's just someone who is. Highly intelligent, highly thoughtful, like very connected to yeah. wanting the best for people, but like always seeing it in many different lights. Whereas I don't think many of Marvel's characters on screen or off really have that ability. There's a piece of hope there too, right? Isn't that what we want our leaders to I think to in be? general from any hero yeah. you want hope. So maybe hope isn't the best way of describing yeah. Wonder Woman. I think maybe acceptance is better for her. The yeah. fact that she's got these people with like PTSD, and she's like, "It's okay. You don't have to be." But the see, hero her hope doesn't come from a leadership perspective, right? His hope comes from a leadership perspective. Like, there's an aspirational hope. Like, there's yeah, a, and for, well, there's a power. To well, it might there. even be leadership. Like, I think so many heroes are given like this. Like, you have superpowers, so I want to listen to you. Whereas, yeah. like, people listen to Black Panther whether or not he has superpowers because he it's doesn't. A, and that's similar well, to Iron Man. Yeah. Well, it's leadership. Actually, I think it's more similar to Captain America because Captain America being like an army, you know, having an army rank and like he had this sort of natural charisma, natural leadership. <clears throat> so does so does T'Challa as Black Panther, but on on a greater scale because he's a monarch, right? And he's a, he's a benevolent monarch, and I think, you know, uh, what I said earlier about him trying to chart a middle ground between the isolationism of his father versus the hostile interventionism of his cousin, like, finding, like, a peaceful intervention that was also almost, like, Wilsonian or Clintonian, you know, in a way that people, like, often attack, but, you know, they, they, they want to find that, that, like, sort of middle ground of being able to help other people in other countries without being charting, you know, their, you know, putting their own sphere of influence into those countries. Well, to further the leadership example, um, like, it, Namor and T'Challa are very different. Like, no one looks as Namor as, like, a, like Namor doesn't reek of leadership, whereas I feel like T'Challa does. He reeks of fish, actually. <laughs> um, Fresh tilapia just flown. Well, well Na Namor has a... I flew in this tilapia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Namor has a much more hostile interaction with the rest of the world. Yeah, that shouldn't come across as... I mean, that. I don't think people take away from that as, like, good leadership. People take away much more humanitarian or at least objective or collaboration teamwork and as much as like Wakanda was isolationist yeah they at least didn't either participate or they be, or they are actively participating in a positive manner at least at the end of the movie versus like a you know Namor who's come from an attack on from the subterranean you know I, I think for me it's that he kind of represented he did a, a re, the movie did a really good job of making him represent uh, success through being in an unfair position. 
mm-hmm. and they did a lot of that theme through monarchy, which is a little bit weird because you know that's like the top of power. But I think that. But he still earned it. Like that's. I think that's the whole plot <clears throat> line too. Is that like it's an earned rise to power as opposed to just being like you're supposed to be the king. Like you. Wait, need, so how what, do you see? How do you earn it? It's, because they it's, take it's your black Panther power. Because there was right. a bunch of spears towards them, and they but push it's still them towards the Forrest, Forrest Whitaker gives you a chance. You take the black. <laughs> you take the black Panther Listen, power. Don't give a fuck about Ghost Dog. Yeah, right? You so, got to whip somebody's ass. Um, but he was still nominated to do it. So, like, yeah, but it? any one of the tribe leaders could have won. But he was the nomination of the tribe. Like, who could somebody... You still had to be able to look could have fucking stepped up and beat him up. So my, my point yeah. was that I think it's something shitty white people do, but they often put on black people the obligation of fixing mm. society's racial problems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think that a lot of the movie's discussion is like, what should Wakanda be doing to save the rest of the world? Yeah, oh, yeah. What should you, as the king, be doing to help whoever? What it, you know, he's got to govern this whole society as well. Sure. <clears throat> and yet, he still does a very good job of trying to balance. Like, we don't want to be a pe- we don't want to bring violence onto the world. Our way forward is by bringing intelligence, and I think that. His character actually trying to deal with, I think the best part about it was his dealing with his father's decision or mm. his his father's actions. Um, <clears throat> I think really made him stand out as being a hero, right. trying to right prior wrongs. Right. Even though he didn't really have to, he could have let Killmonger die, but he actually made an attempt to try and better his life. I actually wish they hadn't killed off Killmonger and I understand that in the story why it happened yeah but he was injured so Monger huh injured Monger Killmonger. oh <laughs> <laughs> a goose slip and fall Monger yeah. <laughs> bring that banana peel back <laughs> um, no because he was so compelling a villain it'd be interesting to see like how they have Loki and Thor yeah exactly yeah. and like you bring him back as a quasi antagonist quasi protagonist yeah. you know I, I actually think he was so compelling that I didn't want to see him go away well especially because I, I mean everybody loves a good like not really an- potentially anti-hero or just generally like not just pure evil and I think because it also, Magneto's like a such right. a, like fan favorite character. Well, and I think you're because we've mainly like Bucky has basically become more of this, probably like still in it for himself kind of character, but definitely on more on the oh, side. I disagree of, like, with Bucky. No, Bucky is yeah. very. What much I'm a, saying, what I mean, of the angels. Yeah, what I'm saying is on the beginning it was much more of like two divergent paths, mainly because he was being brainwashed. But now we've lost this like ongoing character that could also be a really intriguing villain. Right. Yeah, but, but I mean, he had to die. I mean, the so you know, you had the '60s. You had this period of um, African Americans in the United States finding the liberations that were happening in Africa as an opportunity. You know, you had colonization toppling. You had a, a whole new generation of leaders that were. Um, gaining power in numerous countries in Africa. Right. But what ended up happening was that period resulted in just about all of them ending up becoming, you know, despots themselves right. or um, agents of the Soviet Empire uh, or of the continuous colonization right. for the purposes of mining their minerals and such. So I felt that the beginnings of that, which was like the the theory that if African Americans connected to that power that we could find some of our own strength and that made sense. But in the end, having um, the conclusion being Wakanda would come to Oakland and then build something there was actually what needed to happen to bring the tale up to the modern context. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you had, you know, you had so many revolutionaries in the United States in the 60s actually relocate themselves to these regimes to try to create that power there, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and, and, and but it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen here with this connection with intelligence and technology and some of the things that would move forward when you land a ship in, on a basketball court and, and kids uh, gather around. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, a bad CGI ship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you? Well, because we're running up on time. Like, so obviously this movie is is being successful. Like, what do you want to see? Uh, from the success for both like the franchise as well as like I mean honestly I think that the priority that I think everyone that I know has is that we want to be able to continuously indicate to the industry that putting a story like this out is lucrative it's lucrative in the United States there's no reason for you to continuously fear casting African Americans in roles that 
um, aren't necessarily typically assigned to African Americans, and you can make money. Where I think black people are kind of tired of this notion that we don't cast black folks because the movie won't sell in China, the movie won't sell elsewhere. And right now, I think this movie's on track of being one of the you know biggest blockbusters in 100%. history. Um, and the sequel is going to be even bigger because yeah. sequels always make more money than the first. And I think yeah. the sequels actually probably has a chance if they do it correctly to be better. Yeah, yeah. Because there was yes. so much time spent getting us there. <coughs> right. Um, and a lot, maybe pe- those of us who watch these things more frequently didn't need that. I'm actually more excited about the sequel than I am yeah. about you know what what we have. I'm hoping. To get there. I'm hoping this is to Captain America: First Avenger and whatever the sequel will be is more like Winter Soldier, yeah. or Civil War, even. Where like you had uh, the first Captain America like building the universe or building the character, and then the subsequent movies like actually expanding on the character and ma- being better films as a result. Um, so I have a we were bring, we were talking about this before the podcast, and you know I've made jokes about how this is the unofficial sequel to Eddie Murphy's Coming to America, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I felt like in uh, some of it was based on star power, but like in the late '80s, I mean Coming to America was 30 years ago now. 1988 yeah. is when it came out. And you had Eddie Murphy being such a box office draw mm-hmm. during that time, from the mid to late 80s to the early 90s, where you could have movies like Come to America and Boomerang and other movies that he did that were such crossover appeals. It wasn't just for black audiences. It was like everybody loved going to see those movies. And then after that, you saw, I feel like, when you had movies uh, about with like predominantly black cast or with a black director... Like, they were almost relegated to, like, oh, this is, like, what black people like to watch, but this is not going to cross over to mainstream audiences. Well, yeah. And now, hopefully, you have that again. Like, what was missing in, the, in that 30-year or that 25-year period um, that, that that didn't happen? You can't divorce this from, like, common, like, modern political context, too. So when Boomerang and Harlem Nights and Harlem Nights another Coming to America was happening, African Americans were actually experiencing, like, an intellectual resurgence. The style was to put on a bow tie. There was an Afrocentrism to it. Boys and Men was happening. Right. People were tribe call quest. People were embracing like black intellectual public enemy. Yeah. Um, I think right now, I think another one of the major reasons why African Americans were so excited about this moment this weekend is very directly a response to what's going on with the whole Trump thing. I think that black people have a moment right now to say, "Listen, we're here. This is our movie." We're excited. We want to be counted. We want to be known. And we want to remind the country that we exist. And, and what I was seeing with people dressing up in you know questionable um, <laughs> African garb and such this weekend was like people were saying like right now we're in a culture where you know being a minority is being maligned. Like people want to take America back. People want to move it away from whatever our contributions are. Right. And I think what's happening here is actually very similar to what happened with the women's march. It's very similar to what's happening with um, Adam uh, Rapon with the, the LGBT, with the, with the LGBT yeah. in the Olympics. Yeah. I think that each class right now, what's happening with the protests that are happening with the DACA, everyone's just trying to say right now, in this moment, and I mean, the movie was completely and totally peppered with so many instances with militarism mm-hmm. and with um, you know someone who comes and takes power and then they burn up all the... The customs and norms that allow someone else to take power and stuff like that. And I think all of that is connected. And I think that this this moment could continuously translate to a new moment that existed, which you were just talking about in the 80s and such, where black people were like reconnecting themselves and recentering themselves with their importance and their centrality in the larger American story. But then this time also saying that we're all part of it, which was really, I think, a very like laudable aspect of this movie to still to have that level of separation but then to still connect it back to the larger um, feelings of progress so that was good one uh, artistic way forward I think that I'm hoping for is not anything that happens within the Marvel Universe but that organizations like Netflix or Hulu or whatever see the value of Afrofuturism and that they use that in just completely different media um, they make television shows like Altered Carbon or whatever yeah. that are from an Afrofuturist perspective yeah. because I think that there is already a white audience that is tapped into the idea of sci-fi that is thirsty mm-hmm. for different mm-hmm. perspectives yeah. 
on that kind of world. Right. You know, the Aaron Polke story, I think, white audiences are definitely adapted to that. <laughs> is that your autobiography? Oh, yeah. The Aaron well, Polke I mean, story. Considering your presence on social yeah. media, I would agree with that. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, so to your point about like Netflix especially, I mean, it's not Afrofuturist, but it's like like Luke Cage, for example, as being part mm, of like the Marvel. Yes. Netflix shows, like, the show is flawed, in my opinion, but it is, it is a show... That has a black protagonist, that black antagonist, like and a predominantly black cast. I think that was really great, uh, and I hope we see a little bit more of that uh, of those kinds of characters. Black Lightning now on CW. Yeah. You, um, I've seen the first episode. It's not bad. Like I, I hope it gets to be a better show. It's not a great show. Well, it's not <laughs> great, but, but, but that's I, like CW quality more yeah. than anything Well, yeah, else. and I'll put this, like, because I think that's the same thing with, like, Black Panther, is, like, I walked away really enjoying that movie, um, and, like, is it is it the best Marvel movie? No, but I also don't think it's required to be the best, like, any of these, like, new, like, these things that are coming out, like, none of them should be required to be that much better at upper echelons of, like, any other media that's currently right, yeah. produced, and I feel like I mean we're a, used to having to put in twice to work though. So no, no. I, well, that's yeah, like yeah. Too, I mean I know that's completely true, and like, I mean, it's funny, but it's like yeah. sad. Yeah, it's but like, is it yeah. four times these, as good as the yeah. original? Because I know for like I just like it's just sad because it's like that's the sort of because right. I kept having to like sort of pull myself. Where I'm like I'm really enjoying this movie. I wish these things, but I'm like yeah, that's not it's not required. Like even the going deeper on social issues. No other Marvel movies have social issues to begin with. I was like, there's no reason that it needs to be do everything. It doesn't need to do everything. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was, it was a very, very good movie with uh, with a few flaws, in my opinion. Yeah. And some of some of it was actually most of my my flaws of the film are some of the green screen stuff. Yeah. Like the CGI was some of the CGI was a little not great. To me, it was like a solid eight to eight. It's like with save some time. Don't include the rhinos. Maybe focus on some other elements. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. The, I actually like the rhinos. It ran. It ran along with me for like Civil War. Uh, I think Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy. The first pro- one, probably the first one. I to me like Winter Soldier is still the best Marvel movie that they've ever produced. I think. Really? Wow. Yeah. Winter Soldier's your favorite, even more than the first Avengers. I just. I mean, the Avengers is fun, but it's still like a fun action movie. I really liked the espionage effect of. It was like the like the uh, three days of the Concord, uh, the con- uh, wait, uh, the Condor, <laughs> the Concord, the Concord, the Concord. So, yeah, like, to, to be able to produce that movie and have it have to be able to produce like an eight, an eight to nine out of ten movie with like this kind of like this cast that like the amount of diversity in the movie, like just everything about it is like it is such a uh, the financial success of it currently, like right. everything just reads. So, it just makes me so happy that it's like doing. Everything is like clicking, yeah, yeah. It's clicking up, and it's a good movie to boot. Like it's like everyone, like it's a decent movie that I would say if you love action movies, go fucking see it. If you like, like, there's so many reasons to tell someone to go see this. So movie. the one person who reviewed this poorly, do you think they're just like like the most hated person in America right now? David Duke. David yeah. Duke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, like, I'm waiting for Donald Trump's review of this film. Uh, they represented Claw in a bad way. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, there's yeah. bad people on both sides. Of yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so overall rating, favorite character. Ooh, M- uh, MVP. That ball head general. Oh, yeah, she, Okoye. Yeah, she was my favorite. Okoye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's so that actress is so. Like, she's so. Like, she has so much presence. When she basically told like Tata at the very beginning, "Don't freeze." I was like, "I fucking love yeah, you." Yeah. It's like, yeah, like I know, like what you're up, like you, like you freeze when you see Nikita. Yeah. Like, you're gonna I, be- I love how intense she was. But then when his sister joked with her, she, she's like, yeah, he froze. <laughs> I'm like, that that sudden break showed so much complexity. You know who else I love? That old black lady who was just sitting there looking like, mm-mm. No. Oh, no. She was she great. Was yeah, she was 127 yeah. years old. Yeah. I loved her. Every time I put the camera, she was like, mm-mm. <laughs> No, Marvel's sir. doing a whole spinoff. No, I do hope, like, yeah, if they make a sequel. I do hope they'll play with more because it's like we got a lot of the Jabari tribe, but I'd love to like yeah, see like, the sequel or the guy in the know. green suit with like the yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, like he looked like yeah, like they did really. It was really bit. nice design. Like Estelle everyone. spends forty five minutes putting on her stock. Very, very much felt like a role playing game because each of like you could tell who were the main characters even if they didn't have lines. Like everyone was like yeah, the dude exactly yeah yeah that guy was captivating to watch I'm just like what the fuck's he gonna do next he's wearing a, he's wearing the Riddler suit yes <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right he's very um, yeah he's exactly green and suit. black yeah, yeah, what's he gonna do everyone wanted to laugh every time he came up on the screen but everyone was afraid to laugh <laughs> yeah. they'd be the guy that laughed <laughs> so I just laughed to myself uh, I would I would give it I would definitely give it a solid 8.5 oh 
<laughs> and then I would say Shuri was my favorite character. Who? Wait, eight Shuri. point what? Eight point. Uh, eight point nine. Okay. Nine, eight point nine nine. Uh, what about you, white boy? <laughs> was Shuri the, uh, the Shuri was the sister. sister. Oh, she I, was so fucking good. She was also my favorite. I yeah. loved her so yeah. much. That actress was so good. She's like, delightful. Every beat was just hit. Yeah, yeah I give it a fifteen out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> the best black movie ever. I, I was gonna since Malcolm X. <laughs> I, I was gonna give it like a B plus. Oh, but but I think that the reason why hearing you is, yell at me is making me recognize yeah, like, <laughs> the reason why is because I'm white. White guy. liberal girl. Ooh, my, yes. my, my favorite character was Martin Freeman. Oh, your favorite character was Claw. He was sad when he died. Right? I, I was a little sad when Claw died <laughs> because clear. Claw was the white devil. Did y'all yeah. think about Doctor Claw from um, Inspector Gadget yeah. every time oh, his name came up? So, that's what I thought. About. So I I rate the movie more highly because I was putting more value I was thinking about it more from like a production perspective that there are certain elements that I technically just don't like like the green screen stuff there's some camera shots that I thought were weird um, but I rate it more highly now because the more I think about it the more because Aaron is staring at you right now the yeah. more the more there's stuff that I want to talk about it's uh-huh. an extraordinarily rich movie yeah and I think you could just discuss I, I will I mean I'll you, give it a 15 out of 10 from a cultural perspective I think it is so important well I think like uh, like, ha- like this is a movie that right, I'm gonna keep backtracking no 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 I've always like I mean like I think like if you from a from a like film perspective it just I think it's like a good Marvel movie but I think from the impact that it's making as a movie I yeah. I'm so fucking over the moon about it. Well, um, like the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I like it. Because I remember like leaving the theater thinking I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was the elements that Brent talked about. Where are the white male characters? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> why are there so many women in power positions? Too many yeah. strong female leads. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the some certain elements like of like the 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 direction and like the CGI. And I wanted like T'Challa to have more agency than he did. In the you film. wanted the character from the comic. I wanted the character yeah. from the comics, and that, that's not really fair. Yeah. But uh, I love the women. I, I thought like I, it was a tie for me for MVP character. Okay, Okoye and uh, and um, uh, what's and Shuri were my two favorites, and the interaction between the two of them were absolutely fucking spectacular. I would give this a four point five out of five Wakandan tribes. So <laughs> did, you name, did you name? Did you name your favorite character? Uh, I did. It was the old black lady. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he, did, he did what is actually the traditional homo superior route of every every week we read the comics and we pick our favorite character and it's always like the most random. Clarks was a rat that stole someone's finger. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. Well, on behalf of the NAACP, I wanted to thank you all for this opportunity. You don't represent the NAACP, um, by the way. Yeah, Not even a local chapter. And I, yeah. I've been authorized to give this podcast yeah. the Frederick Douglass Award. For a podcast that's been doing a lot of good work lately and are getting a whole lot of recognition. Yeah. Well, we thank you for joining us on this, uh, on this, on this podcast. But mostly I enjoyed the fact that when I asked you, Jason got so offended, he was so angry that he wasn't asked because yeah. he's been trying on this podcast for months. Yeah, that's called white privilege, and we're going to be working on it every day. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows Africa better than any of us, right? He sure does. He's the only one that's ever been there. And yeah, you forget. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. White savior of Africa. A lot of, slave, a lot of slave ships have been Africa, too. He's, he's the winter soldier of Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just show up at the very end and just like look that like it would have been great if we just had the door open five minutes before we were finishing. And he just comes in and starts screaming at us. What are you talking about? It just drags me out. Yeah, just drags, drags you out. out. Wow. Oh All right. Uh, cool. Yeah. So this has been <laughs> special extra issue. Again, thank you, Aaron. Uh, find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, SoundCloud, yeah, and Instagram. iTunes. Of course, we're on Instagram yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Where do I send my bill? Uh, your invoice. Your invoice. <laughs> I got an honorary. Uh, listen, we'll just get you another drink. How about okay, that? Okay, cool. Whitehouse.gov. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, bye. bye.